It's Super Rugby Analysis tonight from 7 with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on ECNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all and uh, on courtesy on uh, courtesy of Brandt, uh, our, your local John Deere equipment supplier, uh, we bring you um, some sporting reviews, I think it's fair to say, and updates uh, throughout the next three hours between uh, 9 and 12 here on SCNZ. Uh, we're looking at uh, the PGA Championship, of course, and uh, it's into its last uh, six or seven holes there, so we'll keep an eye on that very closely for you. Uh, we've got uh, Fred de Jong coming into us also. Uh, that is um, because Manchester City have won the EPL. Uh, we can take a look at the EPL and uh, the relegation side of it now and who's um, up, who's down and uh, who's still got a chance, still got a chance. It is very, very interesting. Uh, about uh, 9.30 we'll take a closer look at the PGA Championship because it'll be getting to the point where uh, we're down the last two or three holes by then. Uh, just after 10 o'clock we shall be talking to Sky's Jeff McTainch. Uh, who called the Moana Pacifica at the weekend against the Crusaders. Uh, what did he make of uh, the other matches as well as that one over the course of uh, the last round? Uh, we've got uh, Nigel Yeldon, Guy Havelt as our panellists this morning, which will be cool. Uh, Louis will review the weekend for us uh, around about uh, quarter to 11 this morning. Sports desk around 11.20, Stump Smithy 11.30. Uh, and a bit of a cricket update too, uh, courtesy of Razine, about to 11.45. So a busy, show, a busy show in terms of review, but keeping an eye on live sport as well. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, as we begin to climb this week's hump at Oak Hills Country Club in New York, Brooks Kepka holds a one-shot, yes, a one-shot lead, to try and win the PGA Championship of Golf. Nothing new, he's won majors before, in fact four of them. And indeed he was leading the last one, the Masters, heading into the last round as well. However, Brooks is a rebel, turned his back on convention to be silver spooned millions upon millions into his already full back pocket. It left a bit of taste at the time, still is hardly a breathful of mints now. Uh, to many of Kepka wins it would actually stink, in fact, uh, not the least of all the commissioner who signs the cheque, which is worth $3.1 million to the winner. Greg Norman, Brooks's new boss, would be chuckling all the way to his Saudi bank. One of his boys would steal the big prize and kick convention in the guts. A perfect result, because Greg has been trying to kick convention in the guts himself for decades now. And the cream rises to the top in Super Rugby. It's the Chiefs hosting the Crusaders at FMG in Hamilton in the grand final. You know it. I know it. So get your tickets now and make your plans. A couple of uh, ales at the ale house before and a couple after as well. Then a lazy stroll down to the Cas, a chance to discuss who will be now one of four new super coaches for next year. Who are they? Do we have four lurking around? It seems no one that's done it before wants to get it back. Uh, what's the pay grade? What's the point? It seems coaching super rugby is only just a step up, if that. I mean, if it took Razor so long to get the big gig after so much success, how long is it going to be for the next opportunity? And can someone tell our basketball and netball teams that home court is an advantage? You know, to defend it with pride in front of your own loyal fans? Eight out of nine so far with those on the road. Absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs>
Radio, it won't surprise uh, too many people, but Manchester City's stranglehold on the Premier League has been validated yet again as they have claimed another title under Pep Guardiola. As other teams come and go, Manchester City has evolved and not stopped winning over the last decade. It's not done for this season either. The relegation zone is uh, looking pretty bleak for Leeds, Leicester and Southampton. Everton may just be clinging to safety. And here back in this part of the world, the A-League final has been decided with Melbourne City and Central Coast Mariners winning through without too much trouble over the weekend. Fred de Jong is uh, with us, former all-wide, of course, a Sky Sports analyst and footballing man through and through. Fred, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Smitty. How's it going, man? Yeah, damn good, actually. Uh, real focus on uh, the EPL because, uh, of course, we're uh, into May and or getting towards the end of May, and that, of course, is when it's all decided, and it has been decided in terms of the title. Uh, City, absolutely triumphant again. This is a dynasty, unbelievable dynasty. How much respect have you and how much respect have the football world got for Manchester City? Oh, I think uh, one of the best sides, of, best side on the probably on the planet at the moment, but obviously one of the best sides in uh, in recent memory, going back six, seven, eight years now. Um, you know, uh, ever since the injection of a, a large sum of money out of the Middle East, um, unstoppable, really. Um, it was interesting. I was just going back through, looking at because uh, we're talking obviously promotion, relegation, and what the cost of getting relegated is and that sort of thing. But just as an example of budgets. Uh, Man City's budget in say, 2021, £570 million. Pounds. Everton's budget in that time, at the same time, £180 million. Pounds. So there's the difference. That's the gap between the top and the bottom um, of the Premier League, and that's from a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's just this, um, this sort of... The, the riches that go with City at the moment are pretty hard to beat, and, um, and I think that's the, um, that's the question for a lot of the clubs. Um, who are trying to to, um, to close the gap on them. And we saw this year Arsenal you know, gave it a really good shake. Um, but probably the thing that killed them in the end was the depth in their squad. And that purely comes down to money. You know, how many, how many really good players can you keep happy um, not playing as much as, uh, as some of the other players? But you need them at the end of the season. And Arsenal didn't have those. And so, you know, finally their, their run came to an end. Fred, is that the same in Serie A, La Liga, etc.? Is the, is it all about the money in terms of uh, premierships? Pretty much. Yep, pretty much. I think um, I, <laughs> we um, as a as an anecdote. I, um, when I went to Holland and uh, we we started out amazingly well the first year. It was like a, a middle of the table team normally, Fortuna, and um, we we just happened to do be doing really well at the beginning of the year. And um, we, we hit the winter stop, which is around Christmas, and we were third. And so we're sitting around at lunch one day, and this naive guy from New Zealand goes, God, imagine if we won the league. And the captain just burst out laughing. And he just goes, we're not going to win the league, mate. They'll buy our best players before we do that. Oh, really? <laughs> and the manager, yeah, absolutely. And the manager said to me, like, if you put, if you put each of the teams by budget in a band you have, say, three bands in the league, by and large, they'll finish in that band. And, um, and it takes a, a really amazing effort, like Leicester did a few years ago, where they won the league um, to bounce out of your, your, your budgetary band. Uh, but by and large, that's where you are, because that's, what, that's the level of players you've got. So, um, I mean, we, we, you know, <laughs> people, the, the fascination of sport, well, a lot of it is, 
comes down to how much money you can pull through the door. Right, uh, so Manchester City, they win the league. Uh, they've got the FA Cup final, of course, coming up against Man U. And then, uh, of course, the Champions League appointment as well with Inter. Can they, well, obviously they can. Will they win the treble? I think probably the, the, the best chance of anyone upsetting that is Man U in the, in the FA Cup. Um, I think, uh, I mean, we talked last time about um, Real Madrid, and I thought Real Madrid were going to give it a good, a good shake, but um, boy, they just blew them away in the second leg, Manchester City, um, 4-0, uh, and it was the difference between those two teams. And, and OK, Real Madrid are not playing well in the league at the moment, but still, you know, they, they have some very, very good players and Manchester City just made them look incredibly ordinary. So I can't see um, Inter Milan um, putting up much of a, a fight. Um, you know, when, when you look at their squad, as an example, Eden Dzeko is their star, basically their star striker and he's a Man City reject from a few years ago. So the gap between the, the English and the Italian league is, is quite high. So City will go in as absolute favourites in the Champions League final. And I think um, so realistically only Manchester United are standing in their way. And uh, it would take a, a mammoth effort for, for United to, to upset their crosstown rivals. But, uh, but I think that's, you know, they have some of the talent um, to do that. Marcus Rashford, obviously. Um, Eric Ten Hag's got the, has, has put them back in the frame of English football after a few really poor seasons. Um, but boy, it'll be it'll be some effort to to you know to upset this Manchester City side. Who, you know, when you look at it, they've got they when when they played Real Madrid, they had Mares on the bench, Foden on the bench, Julian Alvarez on the bench, and that's the depth of the squad that they've got. So if things aren't going well, he's got play you know Pep Guardiola, who you know best coach in the world, has got some real talent on the bench that he can throw on the pitch to change the game up. Right, let's uh, look at Tother End, shall we? Because there's an immense amount of interest here and that is, uh, there's a big one tomorrow. Uh, Leicester City, um, Newcastle, which is huge. Leicester have uh, a game in hand on the uh, bottom pack, shall we say. Uh, but they're sitting on 30 points. Southampton, done. Go on, uh, they're, they're, they're consigned. Uh, but here we have uh, 30 points Leicester, 31 leads, 33 Everton. That's the bracket. Um, three of the, two of those uh, sides will go down. One will survive. So Leicester have two cracks at the cherry here, uh, and they have got uh, Newcastle tomorrow, who have had one heck of a season. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, you know, tough game for Leicester. Newcastle still uh, still battling away at the, at the at the top of the table um, to make sure that they, you know, like, you know, they certainly will get Champions League football. You expect they just need a point, um, but. Yeah, that's under Eddie Howe, and again, that's a really good example of what what a sudden injection of money in your club can do. Um, but you know, for um, for Leicester, that's a that's a massive game, and you and you think um, that they they will struggle to get uh, uh, three points out of that game, but they could snag a, a draw, which would which would bring them level with Leeds, and would make the final match day obviously. Um, it's just <laughs> a riveting exercise for the three clubs at the bottom, as you say, Leicester, Leeds and Everton. I think it's really important for Leicester that they, if they could get a point because otherwise they have to win their last game. Um, oh, they're going to have to win one of their last two anyway. But, you know, um, they, they, 
I think if uh, if they don't get anything out of Newcastle, their goal difference is probably bad. Um, won't won't help them um, in the long run. So yeah, so I think uh, for for Leicester, they need to get something out of the Newcastle game, and then they they definitely have to beat West Ham um, and on the final match day. Um, Leeds up against Tottenham, who are having a horrendous time at the moment. Um, and mm. I think for Tottenham, um, your lot, mate. Um, the, the the problem they have, they're dropping down the table, down to eighth now. Is players now would be start at the end of the year would start go well? Do I really want to be here? If um, if other if there's other options on the table for them um, for next season. So I think that's the that's the conundrum for for Tottenham, the slide that Tottenham are going through at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Sam Allardyce can work his magic with Leeds United. They have to win their last game. Um, up against uh, Tottenham, so you know, possible, yes, um, probable, not likely, and I think probably Leeds and Leicester might find themselves uh, in the championship next year. And that financially is huge. Uh, you talked about the money before, but um, the difference between playing up there and playing down there, so to speak, in the championship um, is amazingly uh, beneficial to stay. Absolutely, um, 120, 120 million dollars. Um, it costs a club to drop down. They they, they calculate so. Um, so a few years ago, the insti- they institu- instituted uh, these these parachute payments that they that they call. Um, so when you drop out of the Premier League into uh, the Championship, you your club because so many clubs were going, they would fall out of the premiership and then just keep falling because they'd have to lose all their players. It would be so hard. Um, the FA instituted these parachute payments. Um, so a team that goes down in their first year gets 55% of what they would, would have got previously in the broadcast deals, which, are, which equates to about 45 million pounds um, in that first year to sort of cushion the blow of getting relegated. Um, and so if you think of a club like Everton's running at about 180 million pounds, 44 million pounds is a lot of money, um, and so and then each year after that, they, those payments go for three years, and each year they get less and less. So unless you get promoted back again straight away, suddenly it makes it very very difficult um, for for the teams lower down to break up into into those promotion brackets. So so yeah, it's um, 120 million dollar cost to a club. So it's not uh, that's not chump change, mate. It's, um, <laughs> It's something that keeps the financial controller awake at night. Okay, right. Let's look at the A-League where the financial benefits aren't uh, aren't quite so beneficial, but uh, very important to those those players down under. And here we've got um, Melbourne City and Central Coast very comfortably uh, getting through on aggregate. The two best teams in the league make it through the grand final, which is uh, which is nice. I think, you know, Melbourne City, <coughs> excuse me, completely dismantled Sydney in the second leg, 4-0. Um, Max Burgess getting sent off after 20 minutes didn't help um, with a, a, a challenge that got upgraded to red from the VAR. Um, but, yeah, I mean, City, <laughs> this, we talked a lot about Manchester City. Well, Melbourne City, you know, part of the City group, um, is exact, in exactly the same position as Manchester City, you know, they've got a, a wealth of riches um, and you know, they've, they've, uh, they've put together a really, really strong squad um, and are the best team in the competition 
Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Central Coast Mariners, who, you know, probably like you, you look at Central Coast and it's a, it's more of a, like you'd say, a community type team. It's a team that sort of bound the community together um, again uh, and has the youngest team in the league. Um, they, they beat Adelaide 4-1 on aggregate, so comfortably through to the final again. Their first final in 10 years. Um, the last time they were there, they won it under Graham Arnold. Um, so, so, yeah, I think Nick Montgomery at Central Coast Mariners has done, he's done an amazing job with a really young squad. Um, are they going to win it? Uh, the grand final, I think uh, probably Manchester City, uh, Manchester, Melbourne City is a, a step too far. Um, and it's, uh, it'll be an interesting final as well because it's being held in Sydney. Um, because they've sold the, the they've sold the rights to the final to Sydney for um, the next three years, which all the fans were up in arms about, and I'm sure the Melbourne City fans will uh, make their feelings known um, about that decision um, come grand final time. Rightio, uh, Fred, we're knocking on the door of the Women's World Cup. I'm not sure I've spoken to you too much uh, about this. Um, how excited are you about the prospect, bearing in mind we as hosts, um, um, we appear to be all at sea at the moment? Yeah, we are. Um, and, I mean, our, the, the football firms have been, you know, on going, heading in the wrong direction for a number of years now. Um, and so I think what the, the thing that's important from, that, that I think is really important is to um, detach the success of the tournament from the performance of the New Zealand team. Um, I think um, Aussie are in a different boat. They have a very strong team. You know, they'll, they'll probably make quarters, semi-finals at least. Um, but I think for for New Zealand, we I think you know it's it's a massive tournament. There's you know, the the US team um, attract like twenty five thousand people to who they're expecting those sort of numbers to come to New Zealand to watch their team. You know, so you think about that from a tourism perspective flights, accommodation, people moving around New Zealand through the tournament, that's, and that's one team. So, uh, so it, is a, it is a big deal, um, the, world, the, the Women's World Cup coming here now. Um, but I, and I think hopefully people embrace the tournament, not just the performance of the New Zealand team. And I think um, if, we, if New Zealand as a, as a collective can do that, then the tournament can be you know, a super successful event and also do what the, the Women's um, Rugby World Cup has done for um, female rugby and be a real catalyst for a lot of kids to get involved in the game, a lot of young girls to play football, to play rugby, to play sport, a team sport, which I think um, is, is such a fantastic, you get such a fantastic benefit out of playing team sports. And I think, uh, so I think it's really important that the organisers um, take that approach, that it's not, you know, the New Zealand team carrying a flag for the competition. It's, it's the tournament as a whole. Because some of the players you're going to see down here are amazing. You know, the level of football right at the top end of the women's game is really, really good. And I think um, that'll be a huge eye-opener to a lot of people. And just finally, Fred, you'll have the inside oil because uh, there must be a, 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 an appointment for the uh, all-whites coach imminent, surely. <laughs> <laughs> It's a saga. It's a saga, mate. Come on. We'll have one before the next World Cup. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, I think, 
he'll get a couple of weeks before the tournament. There you go, I'll mate. tell you what. There's four, there's four super rugby jobs up for grabs as we speak, <laughs> possibly another one. I mean, who wants to coach this New Zealand sporting team? Please put your hand up. Exactly, man. It just seems it's so. This has been so protracted and and um, and drawn out, and and people have have been involved, have been put their hand up and then put taken their hand down, and and this, that, and the other. So, yeah, I mean. At the moment, it's um, you know, Darren Baisley sitting in the hot seat. Um, he'll get the gig against Sweden and Qatar. Um, but yeah, I, I, it'll be it'll be nice to have that uh, for New Zealand football to get that squared away quickly after this after this next window and um, and get on with it because I think uh, it's not painting anyone in a in a good light at the moment. No, it's not. You're dead right there. Uh, no certainty at all. The All Blacks have got two coaches. There you go. And it's uh, nine, <laughs> it is, uh, nine, <laughs> 9.23, uh, Fred. Uh, always great catch up with you. Love, uh, love your insights, pal. Have a terrific week, mate. Thank you for your time. Awesome, mate. Cheers, man. Cheers, uh, Fred De Jong there, real character. Uh, love his chats. He's fantastic. It's, uh, no, as I said, 9.23 here on SNZ. Boy, uh, is there some action in the PGA tournament? Is there some action in the PGA tournament? We'll be back shortly. Uh, we'll uh, focus a bit of time on it because it is hotting up here big time. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. Yeah, later in the show we shall be catching up with Jeff McTainch, a very uh, fine caller for Sky Television. And, of course, uh, Jeff uh, was involved over the weekend. He called the Moana Pacifica and the Crusaders. Crusaders getting out for 41-7 over there. Uh, also talking to Andrew Voss. So much happening in the NRL. Uh, and, of course, uh, as we've mentioned, we're going to be focusing in, too, on the golf, which is uh, coming to an amazing, and I mean amazing conclusion. It's going to be absolutely fantastic going down the stretch the last four or five holes. We'll keep you updated there. Ryan Fox has completed his PGA Championship, I can tell you. Finished with a 1 over 71 today. He bogeyed the last, uh, unfortunately. So uh, Ryan Fox slips out of the top 20. He's in a tie for 23rd at the moment. Uh, hell of a performance, got to say. Uh, had uh, some poor health leading into it. And, uh, you know, he, I mean, it's a tough golf course, a really tough golf course. Uh, to, so to finish where he has, top 23, in front of uh, so many fine world golfers from around the world, uh, just enhancing his reputation once more. So terrific effort to, uh, to Foxy, and uh, no doubt uh, someone uh, across SENZ will be lucky enough to catch up with him over the next two or three days with a review of what's going on there. Um, I can tell you uh, after uh, 9.30 we'll be uh, telling you a story of a fellow by the name of Michael Block. Michael Block, uh, a very interesting story anyway, but 10 minutes ago it just became absolutely amazing. And we shall get to that very shortly. Here's Araha with the news. This is tonight from 7 with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on ECNZ. Radio, it's 9.32 here on SENZ. Uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, of course, uh, with us today. Brian uh, Rory uh, pulling the strings uh, up there in Auckland. And uh, Louis is uh, with us this morning. Louis, um, you can't take your eyes off this golf for a second if you're lucky enough to be watching it, if you're uh, listening in to us, and we'll give you uh, as uh, good an update as we possibly can. Uh, but it's fascinating. These majors always are, Louis. 
They asked me the and I, we talked last week about how a testing course can completely add a different dynamic to a, a major championship because we've watched the world's best golfers really struggle. Um, guys like just Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, John Rahm really, really buckle towards the end of this tour, at the start of this tournament, had to fight like they were trying to win a major to make the cut and then still not be able to put a drive together. And then you get Ryan Fox, um, who's fresh off pneumonia, as you mentioned, is the birth of his second child. And just to be even to be in contention for a top 20, I just think it's a hell of an effort. So it's been such a good watch the whole weekend. It has. Right, let's uh, get to know this fellow, Michael Block. He's not going to win it. But by goodness, it's, uh, he created an impression there. Michael Block is a club pro. Um, club pros uh, are allowed to play in this if they qualify, um, but he's not a tournament pro. He doesn't play weekend uh, golf for big money. Uh, he actually teaches golf on a public golf course in California. This is the story of how uh, he was... Uh, very rarely these days you get to talk to golfers in pressure situations like this. Uh, here's a bloke who made his time available... Uh, to the best uh, golf analyst, one of the best sporting broadcasters, I think, in the world, Jim Nance. This is a walk and talk with Michael Block yesterday. Well, folks, we have for our walk and talk the great Michael Block, who has given us such an amazing experience this week. We've lived this vicariously through you. It's been a joy ride. And what's it been like playing on the weekend at a major for you, Michael, and playing so well every step of the way? Well, Jim, to say the least, I'm living a dream. Um, I'm, I hope I'm living a dream for all the Rochester folks out here because I'll tell you what, the support I've gotten from uh, the people in Rochester is absolutely unbelievable. And honestly, across the country, and it's been an amazing experience. I'm living a dream since I, t- I talked to Scott the other day uh, when I was playing this exact hole. My life uh, feels like it's changed a little bit, honestly, to tell you the truth, but I'm still kind of like on cloud nine and just having a good time. Hey, Michael, I read that at Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club, you're charging $125 for a 45-minute lesson. Can I go ahead and lock that in now, or is that price going to be going up on Monday? <laughs> yeah, so, Trev, actually, it's, it's $150 okay. for an hour. So it's, it's it hasn't been updated. <laughs> and uh, I haven't accepted a new client in about five years. So, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's all good. No, I, I give a couple lessons, and I've learned... Uh, the people I give lessons to are the people I like to hang out with. Um, you know, the first, you know, 10, 15 years while I was uh, in- instructing, I would say yes to everybody because I was trying to put a, a dollar in the bank and raise a couple boys and, 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 and be along with my wife. And uh, now I've been fortunate enough to play decent golf over the last couple of years and uh, make enough money to where I don't have to grind it out on the range all day long. So now I give usually about two to three lessons a week to uh, people that I love to be around. Well, that was Michael Block, and uh, as I said, not very often, but um, he was able to share his time. They don't usually do it in the last round of, or uh, on a, ma- a major tournament at all. It's a pressure so much for the pro, but he's not. He doesn't play the game for a living. He coaches the game for a living as such. Well, he used to. Things might change shortly. They might change shortly uh, because of what happened about 10 minutes ago uh, on the par 3 15th. Uh, this is Michael Block playing alongside Rory McElroy. <laughs> He's shaking his head at the reaction. He's a rock star now. Oh, 
He knocked it in on the fly, folks. He knocked it in on the fly. Uh, he had no idea it had actually gone in. Um, uh, he was w- wondering what all the reaction was on the green. He, he kind of looked and thought, wow, that's interesting. Uh, Rory McIlroy came back to him on the tee and said, gave high-fived as they generally do when someone holds in one. And he said, really, it's gone in? Uh, McIlroy had seen it go straight in on the fly. His caddy had to get his uh, yardage thing out of uh, his uh, caddy bib just to confirm there wasn't a ball on the green. Uh, and sure enough, there it was. He walked up. He couldn't believe it himself, picked it out of the hole. And this is the story of uh, Michael Block. It's uh, absolutely amazing. So um, <coughs> he'll finish off. He's not going to win it. Um, but it'll be the Michael Block PGA that will be remembered for a long period of time. Now then, Louis, we get to who is likely to win it. And we've got a live golfer in front here, Brooks Kepka, who's won four majors. He's a terrific golfer. We know that if you've been watching Netflix. Um, they've had a, a series, a wonderful series about golf, and they focused in a lot about Brooks Kepka. And Brooks Kepka, when they did it, was going through an interesting stage in life. Uh, and that was, of course, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, he doubted himself. He was starting to doubt himself and started to uh, doubt where his future was in golf, even though financially secure, Louis, uh, not have to worry about this, where his next dollar's coming from. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, he finds himself in a situation where he could be the first live golfer to win a major. Um, and that's going to be symbolic if it happens. It will be. It'll be a massive day. It'll be a turning point for golf around the world as Victor Hovland drains a putt on 14th. So that should take him to 8-under. And Brooks coming up, I believe he hasn't taken his eagle putt yet. So he's just driven yeah. the green there. He's had multiple knee surgeries. His body was breaking down. But he does look rejuvenated this year, and whether that's playing less golf on the Live Tour, whether that's, I don't know, he's, he's, I know he's got a baby coming. Um, I don't know what it is about Brooks, but when he gets in front on the fourth day of a major, and he's already won two PGAs, of course, to go with those two US Opens, he's scary, and he's hard to get past. He's got big, broad shoulders, and he lets you know about it, Smithy. Yeah, well, he made a birdie on that hole that we are just talking about. It's a drivable par four, uh, the 14th, so he's uh, birdied that. So he now has had a one-shot lead over Victor Hovland. Story of the day has been the low scoring. Uh, I mean, there's mm. uh, really been... Uh, this is a course that hasn't uh, offered up much, too much in the first three rounds, and the, the guys are murdering it, to be perfectly honest. It has absolutely been uh, done over, and uh, the number of guys that have shot low today, including Scott Scheffler, who is just having a wow of a time and bringing himself back into the equation. Uh, he's three behind, so Kepka would have to make mistakes. Uh, Scheffler's six under after 15, Hovland eight under after 14, and Kepka nine under after 14. They are the three players who can win this edition of the PGA Championship. But uh, I would be thinking that... Um, you know, from Liv's point of view, and this is an interesting one, and I mentioned it in the sermon, this is a massive one for Greg Norman. Now, Greg Norman, mm. of course, is uh, Joe unpopular uh, for most people, except the ones he signed and those people around Liv Golf who probably think he's Father Christmas. In fact, he is. Uh, but the, the other people are, that have turned him down and said, no, I'm not coming. I'm uh, sticking where I am. Thank you very much. Uh, and going with the flow. Uh, he's not the most popular guy in the world. Um, and in fact, um, administrators all around the world of golf probably hate him to say fair uh, to, to, to be fair uh, but if he was to get one of his players or one of his players got up he would take that as a personal triumph himself and it would raise the question yet again we're all coming to this crescendo what happens with the official world golf ranking smithy does does live have to budge and and 
play a fourth round. Will the official World Golf rankings and the whole kind of shape and sphere of golf mould around live if they have enough players contending on the last day of majors? I, I don't know what happens there. You talk about the low scoring. Well, the round, amount of rounds of 65s we've had, Cameron Smith was the first one in on 65. He looked like he was going to have the low round of the day. So five under for the day to get himself into 11th. He was scorching. But then it didn't stop. We had the fellow Australian who I haven't heard a hell of a lot about, to be honest, Cam Davis. And I think his best effort in a major so far was in the high 20s. Well, he's now tied for fourth. He shot up 12 places today. Kurt Kitayama, he put together a 65 as well, as did Seb Strucker. So you talk about getting a bit of a reprieve from this golf course. Usually the fourth days of majors are the hardest days. Well, because of inclement weather and whatnot, whatever reason, today they are being able to scorch it up and Scotty Scheffler is hunting Hovland and Kepka right now. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We'll take a, a quick break. We'll keep uh, updating throughout the morning. Um, and uh, we'd like a, actually we, we, this, oh Scotty Scheffler's nearly hold one um, from the fairway so he's uh, he looks like uh, he's perhaps going to make another birdie Scott Scheffler and that would bring him even closer so uh, it is it's absolutely fascinating folks um, but what about double eight double three our text line our temper bed post text line uh, we've got another uh, coach uh, appointment to find because um, Aaron Major has decided that um, he's out. Out of uh, after two years of Moana Pacifica, he's gone. Um, so we're now looking at four super coaches uh, to come out of New Zealand stocks. It would seem doesn't have to be. Um, it could come. Uh, could be an island, uh, uh, an islander, perhaps uh, someone from um, Samoa themselves. It could step up and take over uh, this particular role. But uh, it seems Aaron Major is going from Moana Pacifica. Does that free him up to go to one of the other roles? I mean, is, uh, is that the bully? Is, is he signed for somebody else? So it's a transfer as opposed to a demotion um, or a resignation as such for Aaron Major. So double eight, double three. what are you hearing there? Um, and uh, we'd like to, to know if you've got any ideas as we get closer to reappointing coaches or appointing them. Any ideas for any of them after what you've seen at the weekend? What were your impressions of the weekend sport? Double eight, double three. Um, and of course uh, the Warriors pick up uh, two points for the bye so they're hanging around the top eight which is fantastic they've got the Broncos this weekend are you travelling to Napier? are you in Napier? are you going to the game? because my, uh, what I'm hearing uh, locally is there is unprecedented interest in this uh, particular match I think uh, they're not having any trouble at all selling it out if you haven't got tickets uh, you better get in real quick is my understanding it's 9.43 SCNZ it's Kiwi for Sport Call any time, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, of course, let's not forget this uh, NBA basketball on as well, and that's part of the um, multi. It looks like the Celtics are going to battle. Uh, it's going to uh, get up against Miami today. It's a dollar fifty-six. It's going to say the Lakers. They're going to battle. They can't uh, come back. No one's ever come back from three 0 down. So that'll be the end of LeBron and uh, AD. Um, and all those uh, superstars in the Lakers, it's uh, not going to be their championship by the look of it. 
But it's uh, certainly uh, still looking very likely for Boston, but uh, they're going to have to knock over Miami today. $1.56, and I predict that they will do that. Uh, Newcastle to beat Leicester tomorrow morning. I think Newcastle just too good a football team. There's uh, so much to play for from Leicester's point of view. I just don't think they're good enough. And, uh, you know, after 36 games, uh, that's proven to be the case. Uh, relegation is uh, a real threat looming over their head. And I don't think uh, they have got enough quality to knock over Newcastle, who at this stage sit third, third in the EPL. Um, and uh, I would imagine they'll be too good for them. Uh, and this afternoon, the New York Mets are taking on the weirdly named Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they were the Cleveland Indians, and now the Cleveland Guardians. Can't get my head around that, but it's a dollar sixty-five multied up a dollar fifty-six into a dollar thirty-three into a dollar sixty-five, and a small fish are sweet. Three dollar forty-two start to the week. I'd be pretty happy uh, about that myself at the moment after my day at the races. Uh, hey, Smithy reports are Aaron Major has res- resigned as Moana head coach. Yes, I've been reading that too. Uh, that's two failed head coaching jobs at super level. Is he going to go back to a New Zealand team as an assistant? Seems like uh, maybe head coaching isn't for him. Great guy, but uh, seems a fairly average coach, so that leaves uh, yet another super head coach job. It certainly does. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, There is another one, an absolute another one vacancy there. I think that was on the cards anyway, but uh, it's pretty much been confirmed. Uh, The other one, of course, is uh, the Clark Dermody situation. Well, uh, he may have helped himself by beating the Rebels at the weekend, um, but uh, pretty much everyone beats them. Uh, They beat them 20-17 to right at the very end. It might have been enough to save his bacon, or is there going to be a clean sweep? Uh, Or does Clark Dermody, because it's been uh, his first year and it's also been a year he's uh, had to budget the time of his All Blacks, not that he's got too many of them down there, Um, does that mean he's okay and uh, at least he survives the chopping block Um, and um, also of course Clayton McMillan, the role just continues on and we'll focus on that uh, after 10 o'clock this morning it is uh, coming up to 9.52 the bank next to the bunker unplayable, taking a drop so all sorts of drama uh, for Victor Hovland but it's not good drama and it is uh, turning out to be uh, almost a gift to Brooks Kepka, who will probably at the end of this hole have a three-shot lead with two holes to go in the PGA Championship. That's just how quickly things can change on these uh, these golf courses, which are set up very tough on the PGA circuit. So that's that. Uh, uh, also, in the sermon I mentioned about um, not protecting your home court, uh, how about these scores over the weekend? The Airs 71, the Bulls 78. This is, uh, of course, the Sales NBL. Uh, the Rams 72, Tuatara 84, uh, Jets 89, got thumped by the Sharks uh, 105, um, the Hawks Bay Hawks 78, the Giants came and beat them 74, uh, 78, thank goodness for the Saints who at least were able to uh, show uh, a little bit on their home court, 184 over the top of uh, the visiting Southland Sharks. And the netball's um, much the same, actually. Uh, Pulse um, went down 45-54 to the Tactics. The Stars, 58-63 to the Mystics. And the Magic got up and beat the Steel, uh, 53-52. Cliffhanger there. But what it meant, uh, effectively, Louis Herman Watt is at the Steel. um, And now, without a win at the end of the championship. Now, that is significant. I'm not quite sure that's happened before. It hasn't. It hasn't, Smithy. Not since the inception, I think, 2017, that, that competition's been around. Um, yeah, that, that is crazy. Hey, also a bit of breaking news out of Sydney this morning. Um, well, actually out of Australia. As the Origin teams start to take place, it looks like 
Billy Slater is going to go with Reese Walsh instead of Ponga. So Reese Walsh is the bully. And from New South Wales, Epi Corusauer and Damien Cook to be left out of the side. So Epi Corusauer will play for New South Wales. Nico Hines looks like he'll get a run in Jersey 14 as well, Smithy. Okay, uh, thanks for that update from uh, the NRL. We'll focus on that more with uh, Bossy after 11 o'clock. He'll have updates on that as well. Uh, Patrick is coming from Ashburton Smithy. I think the media are beating the sliver thing up the most. Most players seem to have moved on now. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Depth Super Rugby Analysis tonight from 7 with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, another week of Super Rugby done and dusted as the playoff picture starts to take shape and the New Zealand teams mostly all put their best foot forward, mostly I say. The Crusaders started the weekend with a bang, uh, not giving Moana Pacifica much to smile about as their last home game for the year. Uh, the Blues stopped their form slide to handle the Reds uh, without too much trouble, very strong finish there. The Highlanders hung tough to, to secure a vital home win against the Gutsy Rebels, give themselves a playoff sniff. And the Chiefs, again, were just too smart for a slightly understrength Hurricane side in some horrific conditions in Hamilton. Uh, two weeks uh, is all that is left before knockout footy begins, of course. Jeff McTainch was on the mic for Sky Sport over the weekend, uh, keeping nice and dry while those uh, outside got very wet in Hamilton. Jeff, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you? They were pretty bad conditions um, uh, the other night in Hamilton. Uh, uh, sorry, in, in Christchurch, uh, your, your particular game, uh, you played, sorry, the kids, uh, Canterbury, I'll get it, that's right, the Crusaders played minor Pacifica uh, at uh, the newly named Go Media Mount Smart Stadium. Oh. You were doing that one. Uh, what did you notice about that and uh, the news coming out now about Aaron Major? Yeah, it was... Uh I think uh, in the end, a uh, fairly predictable result given the, the, the talent that was still uh, available to Scott Robinson and the Crusaders lineup. I thought, um, you know, it gave him a real opportunity to, to try a few guys out. Noah Hotham, you know, continues to impress. I know he's away on the New Zealand Under 20s uh, tour or World Cup in South Africa soon um, with, a, with a few other guys too. So uh, he, he just looks like a player beyond his years at the moment. Uh, he's playing some good rugby and he, he's, he's making the most of his opportunities. That was a third third start uh, on uh, on Friday night and, and I thought in in the grand scheme of things I mean Scott Robinson out of all of the New Zealand coaches over the weekend I think he'll be um, you know the happier happier of the bunch uh, as I say given given that he could try out Noah uh, again Zach Gallagher I thought had a really good game Corey Callow hasn't had much uh, game time for the Crusaders so he got an opportunity Christian Leo Willie was obviously fantastic giving them go forward but I mean, he made, I think, 60-odd metres uh, himself um, post-contact. Um, Leo Willie and, and Moana Pasifika could only make 32 in that first half. So their inability to break the Crusaders down defensively, again, they were superb, um, was the issue. And that's been the issue for teams this season. And, and I guess, too, from a Moana Pasifika's fans' perspective, disappointing um, or, or double-edged, really, uh, sword for them. Uh, given that Aaron Major has said that this will be his last season, he'll, he'll see out the last couple of games and they head away 
um, winless season. I know they got close against the Blues, but something has to change, and I think he's seen that. Um, so he'll move on. Not sure what the future holds for Aaron, but I think the really disappointing thing from uh, from the club's perspective is, is the news coming out that <coughs> Leval Moore um, will be heading to the Crusaders, um, seeing off the um, the bids from Rugby Australia and uh, and indeed the Blues. And and like if you'd been watching the breakdown on Sky Sport on Sunday night, and you heard Sir John Cuin's comments around it, um, I, I agree to an extent with a few of his his, um, his comments. I mean, look, it's it's a, it's been a tough sell for for that club uh, in, in the Auckland uh, region. Obviously, the Blues are playing in here too, so it's a uh, it's it's a semi divided fan base. You look at the uh, the Fijian and Drua playing over in Fiji. Um, they get a lot of buy-in from the community, and his his comments suggesting that maybe. Um, Moana Pacifica need to look at playing uh, more games, maybe in Samoa might be might be the trick. But certainly losing their best player uh, and one of the best players in the competition um, is, is is just a real shame. So um, you hope that uh, next week uh, or this week in, in Fiji that um, that they can produce something. It certainly will be a spectacle. But um, yeah, I mean you just can't afford to be losing players of the like of a Levi Moa if, if you're trying to build a club. So um, I think, yeah, disappointing for them. The Crusaders march on. And for me, Smithia, they look like the, the, the pick of the bunch, um, peaking at the right time ahead of playoffs. OK, interesting. Um, you fancy them now, even though the, the Chiefs went on their merry way, um, efficient enough uh, over the course of uh, the weekend? Yeah, well, I think I mean Jason Holland rested uh, rested as, as, as frontline All Blacks. He, he lost. He didn't have Geordie Barrett with him. Didn't have Tyrell Lomax um, and Adi Savia, the, the captain. And, and even in those horrendous conditions, um, if you're watching on, I mean, you still cause Clayton McMillan a few frustrations in the box. I think he probably needs uh, one or two new walkie-talkies after that game, uh, given given his frustrations. So no, I think the fact that uh, the Hurricanes had to rest those players, the Chiefs. A um, couple of decisions at times from them in the wet conditions. Uh, you know, when when you, you're going into a playoff picture, and indeed they may face the Crusaders in the in, in the final. Um, those are the sort of moments where um, you know the champion team, like like that Crusaders team, uh, are, are going to have an edge, uh, having had that experience. So I think um, you know from from that point of view, uh, I think that's why I'd give the advantage to the Crusaders. It was a very very strong Chiefs side, and who knows? Smithy may may have well been a, a very different story had there been dry conditions. Certainly there would have been a better crowd as well. So slightly disappointing on that front, but um, no, that's that's where my money would be. I, I think from a Hurricanes point of view too, like it's it's disappointing that they've they've lost so many players to injury. I think nine or ten players, Jason Holland's having to work without. Then he goes and takes a few All Blacks out. So it's a very brave move. But you have to obviously look at the workload of these guys. Hook is going to be an interesting one uh, coming uh, in their next game against the Blues, which is going to be an absolute belt. Obviously, Jacob Devery went off. Uh, Billy Proctor had an injury, so too. Umanga Jensen and uh, and Hami Fiver ended up playing some minutes off the bench, so big minutes too. So. Um, real concern for them, and uh, indeed, that's why we're seeing a lot of rotation and rest uh, in the in the couple of weeks ahead of the playoffs. Right. Okay. So uh, we know we're now going to look for su- four super coaches uh, heading into the franchises next year. Uh, there is a possibility that maybe five. Although uh, Clark Dermody's uh, Highlanders getting up for him twenty to seventeen over the Rebels at the weekend. Pretty much everyone beats the Rebels apart from Moana Pacifica. So. 
Clark, uh, Clark stays safe and the Highlanders may be an outside chance of sneaking into the playoffs? Yeah, I think the Highlanders, uh, you know, they showed poise uh, in Dunedin uh, the other night uh, against the Rebels when they needed to. As a you know, good Rebels team too with some, some key players near the likes of Hodge and guys that have had big-time test match experience. So they got up uh, when they needed to. I think I talked to you earlier in the season about Sam Gilbert. Um, I think he's got a really cool head on his shoulders, kicked the clutch penalty at the end to get them home. And, um, and I think this week as well for, for Aaron Smith, his final home game as a Highlander, uh, in, in Dunedin before he heads off to Toyota at the end of the year. Um, look, they'll, I'm sure they'll get up for that. They have to. There'll be a good crowd in. Um, but he came in, what, 2012, 2013. Um, you know, he's the most capped all black uh, back of all time, second only to White Crockett, Super Rugby Caps. So I think they'll get up against the Reds. They have to because uh, the force obviously upset the Brumbies uh, for the first time in 10 years to, to give themselves a, a shot in the arm, too. So. That's um, no, certainly an interesting run-in on both ends. You know, like the, the Chiefs uh, need one more win to secure top spot. The Crusaders breathing down their neck. Uh, all of those teams up there jockeying for top score. The Hurricanes, the Blues. That's why that's such a big game this week. But certainly for the Highlanders, um, with with two games left, one against the Blues at Eden Park in the final round. We know how the Highlanders travel in Auckland not very well. So I think um, you know when it comes down to Nuggies' last game, they'll get up for it. Rightio, uh, the Blues. Where do you see the Blues sitting at? They're uh, a, a point ahead of the Canes, as you say, massive game, that one there. Um, at this, this stage, the Blues, um, if it all panned out the way you would think, uh, the Blues would probably be looking at a matchup with the Chiefs at some point. But where do you th- Are the Blues capable uh, uh, of that, that big match? I mean, we, we know, you know they went 15-0 and 0 at one stage last year, lost the grand final. Well, what about this year under Leon McDonald? I don't think we've seen the best of the Blues this year, Smithy. And, um, you know, I think they've, they've been close uh, at times, but they've come up against some really good teams as well, which have, have dictated the way they've been able to play. They've been camped a lot, of, a lot of the season inside their own half. They haven't been able to play with a lot of front football. But I thought the other night against the Reds, um, you know, they were very, very good. I thought uh, the likes of, you know, Bryce Heem, uh, AJ Lair, Mark Talia, Zahn Sullivan... Um, it just played what was in front of them, played the space, and, and Bowden Barrett had one of his better games, albeit before uh, having having that injury. So that was set on on a good forward pack as well. Patrick Football also had a good game, saw four, and so Tutu continue to impress. And Akira Yuani, since his comeback from injury, I think it's been very, very good too. So um, I think Leon McDonald has has got them just at the right stage of the season. Mind you, mm. too, they were playing a red team had come off. Um, that win in New Plymouth over the Chiefs. So hard place to travel, uh, but I think just at the right time, starting to, to sort of um, play truer to themselves in the way that, um, that they've played over the last couple of seasons. Brumbies, interesting. Um, and some interesting calls coming out of Falau uh, Fainga, uh, uh, who basically said, look, you know, you've sent... Uh, a bunch of puppies over here. You left the big dogs at home because you wanted to stay at home and get your necks massaged, basically. Um, and uh, in the end, they lost to the force, which was, uh, if you look at the table, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. But if you look at personnel, perhaps not so much of a, a surprise. It's a big risk to take, although, although again, Eddie's got the same rules going as uh, Ian Foster. 
Yeah, he does. And uh, Stephen Larkham had to look at that, uh, obviously. And, I mean, the Brumbies are, are well entrenched inside that top four. But um, I think more than anything, if you're a, from a New Zealand fan, uh, particularly a Highlanders fan's perspective looking on, you would have been uh, disappointed that he he, uh, he made 12 changes to that side. And, uh, you know, not surprising in the end uh, against the force that uh, they would slip up. I mean, history was was against them, obviously, as I said earlier. I think they, they, it's 10, 10 years since they had beaten uh, in the Brumbies, but uh, you know when you're resting a whole host of your Wallabies, um, it's always going to be a well, it's a completely different team, isn't it? So um, you have to say though that the uh, the Brumbies did have some talent in there, and Brian Lonning and Deborah Sini, um and, and Co. and Ollie Sapsford, the handy player too. So they did have the they did have the players in there, Samu in their forward pack as well, Swain of course, but. Um, you know, that, that force team, I think they only made one change and I've been really impressed with the way uh, that back line has played at times this year. Uh, Kibberigi with all of experience up in the north and, and uh, Muff Daly as well, Chase Ted, there we know he's got a great boot on him from fullback. So, um, you know, it was, uh, I suppose, if you're looking at from a from a punter's perspective going into it, you might have uh, slightly favoured history, but um, no, the force, uh, force are coming and it makes it interesting going into the final two rounds of the season that both ends of this competition... Uh, there's still plenty to play for. I know that there's been a lot of talk about making this a top six, giving the top two teams a week off, and and uh, and you know, considering there's only 12 teams in it, that that might be a better way of looking at it. But um, I think we can all agree that you know, given we're in the penultimate week of the regular season, that we're uh, yeah fighting at both ends for for uh, important positions is a good thing for the competition. What's the talk amongst uh, the troops, Jeff, uh, around the coaching situation and? I mean, this is uh, unprecedented and having to find, uh, it looks like definitely four, and who knows about the others, but we know Clayton McMillan's firmly ensconced. Apart from that, what is the talk amongst the the troops in terms of possibilities, in terms of replacements? Well, it's anyone's guess, um, Smitty, but I would would imagine that, uh, you know, there'd there'd be a lot of uh, the clubs looking at promoting internally um, as well. I mean, we talk about Growing the players in the game and giving giving them opportunities. You've got to do the same from a coaching um, the coaching side of things as well. So it's going to be interesting. I, I wouldn't see a um, a lot of movement from from coaches jumping. In. Obviously, Aaron Mage is a a free agent now, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if indeed someone is uh, or a club is interested in picking him up. So um, no, it all, all remains to be seen. But as I say, my my money would be on uh, probably trying to promote internally. Having said that, though, you still have a lot of coaches overseas that that, that are coming off contracts and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, maybe they'll cast the net, um, but we'll just wait and see. You see, for me, I mean, it used to be a desired thing. I mean, everyone was lining up to get these gigs. Now, it'll, if you look at the people that are falling away um, in terms of uh, wanting to be uh, candidates, you, you take a guy like a Chris Gibbs. You, you would have thought it was primed, absolutely primed, walking away from the oh. situation. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I just wonder what's changed. Yeah, well, I guess money is different elsewhere as well. That's that's something that that's worth mentioning. I mean, Dave Rennie, um, you know, there was there's, there's been a scrap to to get him to replace um, Leon McDonald at the Blues, and and I know that um, that uh, that they haven't been able to secure that. So, yeah. I, I get your point. I mean, is the is the brand of rugby uh, in the in the southern hemisphere is that is it as attractive as it once was? And I think the answer is is you know probably no. And I think that stems from a wider there's a whole wider conversation to be had here, Smithy, about 
um, in my opinion, about what um, what we're doing with the game. Obviously, New Zealand rugby has ambition to to expand. There's a lot of talk about North America. There's obviously this deal with Japan. Uh, we're in um, conversations with Rugby Australia about how we expand the game. But I think what um, I think what is absolutely um, you know necessary for our game in New Zealand is to look at our own house and and how we. Um, how we ensure that the next uh, crop of players coming through uh, are, are there and available, and how we actually secure fan engagement. Like I think, from a broadcast perspective, Sky uh, have have been doing really good numbers post COVID. I think uh, a lot better than they were pre. Um, in fact, but that that engagement level of getting the fans through the turnstile that only starts with giving kids an opportunity to come and, and play ripper rugby and 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 getting along to the club and seeing what that's all about. So. Whilst we can have all these grand desires um, or grand designs on um, on what we might want to do with the global game, I think it's really important to get our house in order and and, um, and get that engagement back. And I think that's where coaches will um, will look at it and go, "I want to be involved in it. I want to be a part of that." Because if it just becomes a numbers game, uh, then if you know you're getting an offer from a European club or a club in the English Premiership to come and coach um, and with seven figures, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, it's not very often you have um, a sit-down in a think tank in a World Cup rugby year because usually the focus is on that, Jeff. but I think you're right. I think it, uh, some of this is um, the interest, um, the numbers, uh, the turning up to the ground, um, you know, the fan engagement, the coaching setup. I think it's, a, it's at a crucial stage, Super Rugby, and um, sooner rather than later, that group, uh, they've got to sit around and say, well, how are we going to arrest this? How we are we going to arrest this situation? Because, of course, the other thing is, Jeff, they're losing a lot of uh, big-name players at the end of the World Cup as well. So who knows when it's going to stop, but uh, at least Sky's numbers are good. Jeff, thanks very much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it, and um, keep up the good work uh, enjoying your calls. Cheers, man. Thank you. Cheers, man. Talk soon. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jeff McTainch there uh, out of uh, Sky Sport. Yes, uh, their numbers will stay good because it's easier, uh, isn't it? You sit at home, you get back-to-back games, and you can channel switch. You watch the uh, NRL if you're um, not absolutely focused uh, totally on uh, Super Rugby. So many things you can uh, you can do. It's, it's warmer, isn't it? It's warmer, it's cosier, um, and um, it, uh, it's always been cold and wet at rugby anyway, so what's changed? Uh, 10.19 here on SCNZ. With Izzy and Smitty, you're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. All right, Guy Havelt and uh, Nigel Yeldon with us this morning, both very experienced media gentlemen. And uh, Guy, if I can start with you, please. It looks like uh, Live Golf are going to make a statement in the PGA Championship as we head down the last. It's uh, Brooks Kepka by two. It's Brooks Kepka to lose, I think. Uh, he is absolutely going to win this tournament. And the way that he's played, um, what, since the second round, uh, he absolutely deserves to win as well. He's been very solid today, uh, while others around him have crumbled. That takes that will take him to a fifth major title, and I don't know if people quite realise that puts him in a steam company like Chevy Ballesteros, Peter Thompson, 
Byron Nelson and only one behind people like Phil Nicholson, Nick Feldo and Lee Trevino. He is in the mix with the all-time greats at, at when, when, if he gets this done. Um, and whether he's gone to live or not, uh, you cannot take that away from him. Possibly makes this achievement even better that he's gone to live and still managed to win a, a PGA Championship like he has. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, he's been playing three-round golf without this kind of pressure. Uh, he is now playing uh, four round the last uh, afternoon of a major. They say Nigel Yeldon is the golfer's toughest to experience. Um, so uh, his has been uh, a remarkable achievement, a real, I'd imagine somewhere, um, Greg Norman's having a glass of champagne around all of this. Uh, Ryan Fox might be too. Ryan Fox might be too as well, uh, Nigel Yeldon. Tie for 23rd, not too bad at all. Yeah, what's that? So 26th in the Masters, 23rd in the PGA. That's too really good, solid major championships for Ryan. We, we know what he's been through, the, the pneumonia of him and his wife obviously becoming parents for the second time as well. You wouldn't say it was a, a nice, smooth sort of lead-in for him, but solid golf. What, what's he end up with? 68, 73, 71, 71? That, that's good mm. darts. That's really good darts. And what I like, and, and Guy will be aware of this, and you too, Smithy, he doesn't mind a Lynx course, course and they're heading to Hoy Lake well, Liverpool for the Open Championship, and you know, obviously, if, as the health comes back back right as well, you know, the, and he's the confidence has got to be there is now in major championships. Not that it probably wasn't already, but gee, he'll be eyeing this up and going, okay, right, look, I'm done t- two top twenty fives or two top thirties. Let's let's really give this a nudge. I, gee, I tell you what, I, I'd be I'd be having a wee look at, at Ryan Fox leading into that uh, Open Championship, the third of the year. Yeah, no, not totally without a, a chance at all. I think it, it's uh, absolutely fair to say we'll keep Pokes uh, uh, posted as uh, Kepka lines up to hit his second into 18. Two-shot lead he's got, should win it from there. Um, but, uh, well, they, uh, they just, if I could just jump in before we move on from golf, I, I just know you'll like this. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm currently on bad meter clock in terms of uh, two golf punts I've had this weekend. I had Rory McIlroy, the last leg of a multi to finish top five, He's tied for seventh, one shot outside the top five, and mm. I also had Ryan Fox top twenty, and he's one shot outside the top twenty. So, you know, I need I need I need some love this morning, Smitty. I need some love. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm um, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Can you hear it in my voice? I'm really <laughs> sorry for you, guy. I'm absolutely, really sorry for you. Uh, I thought we well, were mate. I thought we were friends. <laughs> well, while, while you're getting over it, I'll ask, I'll ask, I'll ask Nigel about this rugby. I, I'm not saying it's becoming a fiasco, but um, it used to be super rugby coaching jobs were the thing to have. My goodness me! Now we're looking for four on the news of Aaron Major, Nigel Yeldon. Yeah, we we sure maybe Aaron Major's not in the mix for a gig down south, possibly with a Super Rugby franchise, Smithy. I mean, when you I'm look at the history of the Crusaders, yeah, yeah, just you look at the history of the Crusaders. They like their own. Um, you know, they started off. Um, you're going all the way back to the '90s. It was very much Canterbury. Then, obviously, Wayne Wayne Smith sort of took over. I think it was Vance Stewart first year. Then Wayne Smith took over. And you had Robbie Deans, and it's Todd Blackadder, it's Scott Robinson. They like people who understand the Crusaders' way. We know that Major has been part of that. Could he be on the move down there for one of those plum sort of New Zealand jobs? 
Um, so, you know, maybe that might connect. That's pure speculation, can I just add that as well? But, yeah, look, it's, it's quite interesting. I was doing that exercise myself thinking, okay, who are the people currently involved? Maybe as an assistant coaching level um, who might have had the experience head coaching at MPC level or the like, and, you know, who fits into that sort of mix? And you're right, the, the cupboard's a wee bit bare. I would have thought Ross Filippo, one of the assistant coaches to Clayton McMillan at the Chiefs, I would have thought he would have been somebody who a lot of people would be looking at. Again, a, a person who's familiar with the Crusaders set up. I'm sure the Hurricanes wouldn't mind getting him back down into that Wellington region as well. But th- there is a little bit of concern, of course, what else is happening overseas? Are there a few coaches plying their trade in the Northern Hemisphere, in the UK and Europe maybe, who might want to come back? But it, it, does, it does look a little bit thin, but maybe there's just a wee, a wee diamond in the rough that we're overlooking, um, possibly, Smitty. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch how this goes. I'm actually quite excited to see how it all plays out, mate. So am I, um, and I'm I'm very excited to hear uh, Guy Havelt's response to this as well, because we'll give him another couple of minutes to to, to get over things and to to get himself uh, ready for it. Uh, we'll take a quick news break with uh, Araha, and when we come back, Guy Havelt on the rugby setup. Fourteen seventy six a.m. in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Early evening, heavy falls, squally thunderstorms likely. High 18, and we've got a low of 11. Catch in-depth Super Rugby analysis tonight from 7 with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on ECNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Nigel Yeldon with us this morning, as is uh, Guy Havelt. And uh, Guy Havelt, uh, these um, these rugby super coaching jobs and uh, the vacancies are almost uh, overshadowing the remarkable performance, and it is a remarkable performance of the Chiefs thus far. They were good again in the weekend. They played kind of the perfect brand of rugby that you needed to play in those atrocious conditions uh, down in Hamilton, and, and were too good for a cane side that, that yeah, rested some of their big players, but still uh, a good bounce-back win for the Chiefs. This coaching situation is very interesting, isn't it? And And to me, it actually adds some needed excitement I suppose to um, and intrigue to the competition next year uh, we've got three teams going to be looking for coaches, uh, there is some speculation as to who will coach o- uh, take over a couple of them but then you've also got uh, a lot of the big names of New Zealand rugby who will head offshore as well um, and so Super Rugby next year kind of takes on um, a little bit of the unknown, uh, we've had the Chiefs out in front, the Crusaders out in front uh, the Blues near the top. But next year, it, it kind of a few question marks, I think, around how everything's going to go and, and who are going to be the teams who are going to be at the top of the ladder. Look, it still wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs and the Crusaders and the Blues were there, but there's just still there's just those questions now starting to emerge because of all of this. In, re- in regards to um, Aaron Major, uh, as an avid Crusaders fan... And I say this with the greatest respect. Um, I, I, they better not touch Aaron Major in terms of him being a head coach for the Crusaders. Uh, the Crusaders is a team of, of excellence. Uh, and Aaron Major has now failed at both Super Rugby teams that he has been the head coach of. Um, I don't think the Crusaders would go for him. Uh, and I certainly hope they do not. Right. OK. Stern words there from... 
um, from Guy Havelt <laughs> on that subject. Uh, absolutely stern words. Um, like, uh, Nigel, coming back to you, uh, let, let's look at the netball, shall we? Uh, because it's an interesting one in the respect that um, we, we've got um, fairly predictable finals as such, or playoffs as such, but for the Southern Steel, where does that leave them? Uh, and, of course, it was uh, a signing off of Bailey Mears as well, which is an interesting timing for her too in, in respect of World Championships, etc. Yeah, it's interesting with, with uh, Bailey Mears, I guess from a, a netballing point of view, one of the more polarising athletes to, to, to play and put on the, the black skirt. Uh, I think it's going to be quite uh, interesting. With, with regards to the steel, I mean, look, they they had injuries in their shooting circle and that absolutely de- derailed them. I think we saw, you know, not having George Fisher, who really was their main target in the circle, and not having her for the entire season, not getting... Once they got Saviour Tui back, all of a sudden there was a little bit of an increase. That, that's, that's so important. And, look, we can speculate quite a bit, but, look, if you have those two in the mix, I think what's already been a really even competition would have been even more even. I'm not going to press the panic button yet on the steel... I believe if they get that shooting circle fit again, they've definitely still got the talent down there with the Heffernans and the Burleys and the Winders. So they're not completely devoid of talent, that is sure. They have been very competitive at times. We saw it with that final game against the Magic yesterday. Um, so I'm not panicking too much with regards to that there. I think they get Fisher back. They get Tui for the full season. I think it's a different kettle of fish for them in, in 2024. What does interest me is you know, what's happening with regard to the playoff, because there's still an outside chance that the tactics could could sneak in there. Now, it's it's all computers and slide rules and abacuses, Smithy. I mean, they're, they're based on they've got to win tonight. They're going to have to win by probably somewhere between 12 to 14 goals, but that's going to depend on how many goals they can restrict the Mystics from scoring. It's, it's a little bit, um, you know, computational with regards to how they're going to work it all out. But at least there's something on it heading into the final game of the regular season. We've seen all Mm. the games have a little something on them over the course of the final round. And from a competition point of view, that's what you should want. You've had sold out at Pullman yesterday afternoon. You had sold out in Wellington on Saturday night. I think you'll find the tickets will get snapped up for that elimination final in Wellington pretty toot sweet as well. It's been a really good competitive competition as I say, heading into the final game there's still a chance for the tactics to sneak in there but it's going to take something Herculean to do so What's interesting to me um, about the netball side of things as well is uh, apart from this competition, this ANZ which could find uh, a really good uh, climax at the end of the season uh, is this uh, for, uh, these uh, Silver Ferns uh, coaching setup too. Interesting to me, uh, Guy Havold. Laura Langman brought into the mix by uh, Dame Nolan. A fantastic move, isn't it? Uh, anytime you could get Laura Langman involved in your netball team, whether it's on the court or, or as a coach, uh, I know she doesn't have a lot of coaching experience, if any at all, but uh, she's got a hell of a netball brain. Um, and so anytime you could get Laura Langman around your netball team, I think is a very, very smart move. Uh, another very smart move by Dame Nolan Todoa, who uh, when it comes to these tournaments, um, I think uh, she has plans in place. She just, um, you know, she, she's got the timing all right. She will have eyes on certain players who will, she will use in games leading up to the World Cup. 
Uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about what the Silver Ferns can do this year under Dame Nolene Taurua, and I suspect, I don't know this at all, and I, I haven't heard her quoted or whatever she may have been, but I'm not sure, that this might be her last World Cup in charge, uh, and I think that they would want to take her out on a high. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I like what they've done in terms of Laura Langman, uh, and, and uh, I give them a good chance of going pretty well in the World Cup in South Africa this year. Nigel, did you see the Laura Langman appointment? No, I didn't. It's actually the, the first one I've heard of, but, but I like it. Even if it's not coaching, it's, it's present. It's mana. Okay, she, she brings that level of respect. I mean, I would put her akin, I guess, to maybe, maybe a little bit more back in our town, Smithy, if the likes of a Sandra Edge was put into a, a position like that as well. They just bring an aura. You know she brings an excitement and an enthusiasm because she's one of the happiest, most enthusiastic people walking the face of the earth. So I love it. But she will carry, she will carry the mana. She will carry respect. And when she speaks, those young ladies who will be part of that Silver Ferns will listen. And I'll tell you what, too. When she speaks, I suspect Dame Nolan would probably have a decent old listen as well because what she would contribute would have great value right across the board. Yeah, excellent. Um, just to finish off, um, Guy Havelt, Manchester City. Yeah, too good, too strong, um, and uh, amazing, absolutely amazing, um, th- this particular club at the moment. Yeah, they certainly are uh, heading for, well, there's a chance of a treble anyway this year uh, in the FA Cup final and obviously the, the Champions League final as well. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, Ross Atkins from the BBC in the piece that He's the investigative journalist who, who kind of explained, does explain his, on certain situations in, in the news, and he's done one on Manchester City and their spending and all that sort of stuff. Very, very interesting piece, and very interesting that they dropped it approximately two or three minutes after Manchester City won the Premier League title. Uh, I suggest you go and have a watch of that if you've got a few minutes up your sleeve. But, yes, what, what a club, uh, what a team, um, you know, to... to, to to come back or, or to, to pull off a, a Premier League title win like they have, considering how far ahead Arsenal was, um, that pretty much says it all. But, yeah, I, I suggest uh, you go and watch that, that Ross Atkins piece. It is very interesting, Smithy. Well, also, um, at, as a result of this um, performance, and that by Erling Haaland, of course, their uh, chief striker, um, I think it's interesting, Nigel Yeldon, and I would imagine you would be part of this at all. They're comparing him to Jonah Lomu in terms of effect on the game. Yeah, look, I mean, he has been quite extraordinary because it's not like he's just done it in the English Premier League. I mean, he has done it in the other leagues that he has been involved with as well. And what was fascinating is I think he played the opening game of the season, might have been Charity Shield, and he missed a couple and. A few people straight away just went absolute hot take. Oh, gee, he's going to struggle. He's not going to be able to survive. and He's not going to be able to do what he did in the English Premier League. And then, of course, he came out opening week, bagged a couple, and he's just been scoring them for fun since that particular time. He is quite an extraordinary talent. Um, and, and just that, that ability to know where to be at the right time. He's, I watched a little bit of analysis on him, and he's so economical with the way he plays the game. But, yeah, look, it's... Uh, he's, he, I don't, whether I'd put him into that that sort of class, I'm not sure because Jonah was so different in terms of the way he played the game at his size and the position he played. But 
I mean, Harling is, is quite extraordinary and has this remarkable career in front of him. And, and yeah, it's been, look, it sounds like it's been a, based on what Guy's saying there in that Ross Atkins article with Brooks Kepka winning the US Open, it's been a big morning for sports washing. It has indeed. Uh, and you guys have uh, added to the listen, the listening side of it, I shall say, the listening side of it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Guy Havelt, Nigel Yeldon, uh, thanks uh, for taking part and have a terrific week, whatever you're doing. It's 10.43 here on SCNZ. If you're feeling a bit flat, that's okay. Come and join Izzy and me each morning from six and I'm sure you'll find a reason to laugh. A home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Rightio, let's uh, get across to Louis Herman Watt, uh, where there was uh, racing, of course, on both sides of the Tasman over the weekend. Wet conditions prevailed here. Um, your highlights, Louis, on both sides? Well, one of my highlights was that parting jab from Nigel Yeldon, Smithy. I think he said it's a great morning for sports washing. And Brooks winning the PGA Championship and Man City winning the Premier League. <laughs> I don't think he said sports watching. I think he said sports washing, which only just dawned on me about 10, 15 seconds after he said it. It was very, very clever. Um, but yeah, as far as the, the racing went, you know, you knew how sloppy it was up at Tarap, but gee, it was tough conditions. And by the time the last race came along, Sam Weatherly stuck to the rail. The, the other jockeys went about... 30 lanes wide around the corner. Then there were a couple in the middle, and Testify Me got the job done, uh, Sam Spratt. So it was really trying conditions there. Awapuni was much the same. There were horses winning up the rail. There were horses winning down the uh, stand side. There were horses winning up the guts. I think what I realised over the weekend, Smithy, is jockeys, and although that maybe our senior riding ranks are thinner than they have been, our jockeys at any level are some of the most remarkable people going around and some of the most remarkable sports people going around because they're not only steering a 500 kg 600 kg animal they're doing it in conditions that i wouldn't go for a walk in let alone a bike ride let alone riding a horse in and over the weekend especially at awapuni we we had some incredible efforts jonathan parks well he won four on the card including got his thousandth career win and, and a man who's had a lot of um, twists and, and trials and um, you know tribulations in his in his life really and, and he's hung in there and he's come back and he's riding really well he picked up a four timer and so did Billy Pin Whitamoo Pin also picked up four at Alpuni now he's off to ride with a claim in Australia for a couple of months so that's really exciting news and one of our jockeys who's been doing it on the other side of the ditch at the most elite level recently this season, Mick D, Michael D, based in Victoria. He's now a double-digit Group 1 winner. This year he has won all sorts of Group 1s from derbies to Caulfield Cups. Well, he picked up the South Australian derby. Nope, not the South Australian derby. The Goodwood uh, on Mm. Saturday. And he's off to Hong Kong for a, a very lucrative stint up there for six weeks. So our jockeys, both here and in Australia... Uh, really, really impressing me at the moment. And it took a weekend of really nasty weather, but some very smart riding to make me realise that we are lucky, even if our depth isn't maybe where it once was. Well, I can tell you also from uh, personal experience over the weekend, uh, I was uh, enjoying the hospitality of one Andrew Castles, of course, the CEO of Tarapa. Uh, they had visibility problems there, um, and he was very worried about the continuation of the meeting. 
Uh, he got the cooperation of the jockeys. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, he personally went and uh, thanked them all um, one by one, um, as did the chairman, because they were just very worried about the, uh, the prospect uh, throughout the day. But they hung in tough in there, and I can only endorse what you were saying uh, about um, how tough it was, um, particularly at Tarapa. And looking out the window, you're right, uh, being inside uh, in the snug was the place to be, Louis. Uh, absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, it's coming up to 10.52 here on SENZ. Call any time, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, 10.57, saw Paul Mawati in the flesh at the weekend. Uh, well, I'd say Thursday anyway. Made it through from uh, Wellington after some uh, foggy conditions, which was great to see with uh, Thad Taylor and made a great contribution to uh, the course. $70,000 heading to uh, Hawke's Bay uh, Cyclone Relief, which was a fantastic result, uh, Paul. Uh, and uh, through your efforts on the 18th, absolutely outstanding. Did you enjoy the day? You stood there in the relative uh, climate, I think, for quite some time, about five hours, I reckon. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. No, it was, it was a brilliant day, and everyone got into the spirit of things, and uh, well done to Butch Castles and Ross Taylor for uh, setting everything up and, and getting a whole lot of people there, and, and for those people who did turn up and put their hands in their pockets and... Um, yeah, raising a whole lot of money, as you say, 70000 How How good for the Hawke's Bay flood relief. So, no, it was a great day. Right, OK, how can we make a, a quit ourselves uh, after a poor weekend on the punt today? Well, a number of punters have already made a quit with uh, Brooks Kepka picking up the PGA Championship at the... Uh, uh, in New York, uh, uh, crikey, they might as well give him the key to New York because that's where he w- wins most of his majors. Um, he, you could have got him at fifty-one dollars during the tournament, Brooks Kepka. Um, we had a two hundred dollar bet at twenty-six dollars on him, three hundred at sixteen, and a five hundred dollar bet at ten dollars. There were plenty of punters who ju- jumped on Brooks. Uh, the boys also put up a number of very, very good markets as well. Live Golfer to win, I think that was around seven fifty. Plenty of punters jumped on that. But if you want to invest now, we've got Game 3 in the Eastern Conference between the Heat and the Celtics. Heat lead that series 2-0. Heat are 245 outsiders. Punters are on. Cheers, Paul. Uh, thanks again for your efforts on Thursday. And terrific, uh, terrific uh, result for Brooks Kepka. We might just focus on that in the next half hour. First up, though, uh, we shall be talking with Andrew Voss out of SEN in Sydney, Australia. Because uh, he is uh, the number one league caller in Australia, and there were some very tantalising results again over the weekend. What a comp the NRL is turning out to be this year! Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Bossy next. Eleven. Catch in-depth Super Rugby analysis tonight from seven with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on ECNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Right, uh, let's uh, focus on the NRL. And, of course, uh, our one New Zealand Warriors got the weekend off, but the game delivered another crazy round for league lovers uh, around the world because uh, some blowouts that have uh, been uh, got to be seen to be believed, kicking off with the Broncos uh, taking uh, back-to-back losses against uh, a hungry Penrith outfit, clearly back on track. The Chooks uh, and the Dragons and uh, back-and-forth thriller and the Tigers going two in a row by absolutely, and I mean belting, belting the Cowboys at, at Leichhardt. Uh, joining us now to break down the weekend action is the voice of Rugby League, Andrew Voss. Uh, great uh, to have you back, Vossy, with us. Origin kicks off in just nine days' time. We'll uh, talk about that in a second or two. But again, the NRL throws it up at us uh, right in the face. It's what a comp. Oh, amazing. Good morning to all our uh, listeners this morning. Uh, look, I've followed Rugby League, obviously, all my life. And I can't remember 12 rounds deep into a season... Uh, we have a round of football, Smithy, if you're not aware, that five of the bottom six won, uh, including the bottom four, all won on the weekend. And this was an origin-impacted mm. round. This is, you know, all at full strength. Um, and we now have a five-way tie for the lead in the competition. Twelve, 12 rounds in. If Canberra had won yesterday, it would be a six-way tie for the lead. It's like sixth is the same number of points as first, but as it is, it's fifth. So Panthers, Souths, Sharks... Broncos storm all on 16 and I tell you what does have an impact now so we go into these rounds out of origin so this weekend uh, there will be seven teams having the bye I think I'm right in saying that yeah seven, seven teams will have the bye so they will all get credited two points can we stop this farce adding two points for the bye there will be teams that will have had two buys before some teams have had a bye and that sort of distorts the competition table. So how about no one gets any points for a bye and um, we can just apply that to the ladder. But it's still a, a fantastic competition. Um, tipster's nightmare, quite obviously. And as to what happens next, well, five games this weekend and in the state of origin, um, this could be a rocky ride, rocky ride over the next, say, four or five weeks for a number of clubs. And it could be an interesting weekend for the Broncos who head across the... Uh, our neck of the woods, in fact my neck of the woods, to take on uh, the Warriors here in Napier on the back of uh, a loss to the Panthers. Yeah, okay, and now I, I think I think it's been confirmed. So Queensland weren't due to announce or declare their origin side until 9 o'clock Australian time this morning. Now I'm just looking at a piece of paper. I don't know this official side, but let me count the Broncos. So Reese Walsh has been picked ahead of Kalen Ponga. Kalen Ponga has been... Uh, overlooked for Queensland, so Reese Walsh will be out for the Broncos. Selwyn Cobbo is in on the wing. Um, Thomas Flegler will get a start, so he's out of the forward pack. As we know, Payne Haas is in the New South Wales pack. Pat Carrigan also in the Queensland side. So there's a whole bunch of, um, of Broncos players there that will be on origin duty and not there when the Warriors play the Broncos. I think you can say lock the Warriors in as favourites, Smithy. Wow, OK, look forward to that. Um, how often do you see in a footy team, they sack the coach and next time up uh, the team wins? How often do you see that happen? And what a fantastic game of footy this was uh, on Friday night, the Dragons and the Roosters. Yeah, well, it's all player-driven that they, they must have thought about things and, gee, we've, we've dodged a bullet. The poor old coach gets the flick and, and then their attitudes change. Actually, it's, it's only about a... It's about a 30% win rate, to be fair. Um, so it's not a majority thing that it happens, but it does happen. Look, the Dragons-Roosters game was um, 
was amazing <laughs> in the way that it finished in the very last play of the game. So we had, just so people who didn't know the, the scoreline, the way it went through the game, Dragons led 12-0 after 15 minutes. Um, with 17 to go, though, and then got to 14-0. With 17 to go, though, they trailed 16-14. Then they hit the front to lead 18-16. Then they trailed 22-18. And then they score off the last play of the game to win 24-22. It was amazing scenes, um, but I still think they've got a lot of troubles. And the Roosters have a lot of troubles as well. So, yeah, I, I love the entertainment. It'll be one of the best finishes of the year. But we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that you know both those teams are in a lot of strife in in the full context of this year's competition. Eels thirty six, Rabbitohs sixteen, visiting the Rabbitohs. Amazing result oh, that oh, one in itself. Oh, what a finish! Um, they they South City hit the front after half time, and you thought, yep, yeah, they'll go on with it here. Their second half form is good. That was the forty eighth minute. They never scored again. Um, the Eels, four converted tries. The last four tries of the match end up with a 20-point margin over a team that was hot as, and the Eels with just a two-man bench pretty much for that um, second half. Now, that's a great performance by Parramatta. While they sit down on 10 competition points with a congestion on this ladder and, a you know, as I say, a tricky origin period to come in two key positions. Now, in fact... In three key positions, fullback, 5'8", halfback, Gutherson, Brown, Moses. I'm thinking none of those three have anything to do with origin. Quite obviously, Brown won't, being a Kiwi, but I don't think Gutherson and Moses are going to play origin. Look out Parramatta. They might, you know, they might storm through this origin period. They might indeed. They just might indeed. Uh, how about the Sharks? How are they looking? I've got, I've got to confess, I've got a vested interest in this in a local sweepstake. The Sharks, 26, <laughs> the Knights, 6. Putting our cards on the table. Well, I'll put my cards on the table. I think they're capable of winning the competition. They won't win the competition with uh, the form that they displayed on Saturday against the Knights. It was a moderate performance, 26-6. Um, to 6. Will Kennedy was the shining light, the fullback. Nico Hines was very good, but no, Sharks left a lot of football out on the field at Coffs Harbour on uh, Saturday, and Newcastle, they're on a bit of the slippery dip at the moment. Um, you know, competitive, but but showed signs of being far more than that early in the season, but now they've sort of stalled on four wins and, and one draw. Um, I don't think the Knights will be playing finals football this year, um, but both teams, again, like um, like the Dragons and the Roosters, both, both sides I saw on Saturday in this game can play better. Okay, right. Uh, now, I, didn't, I, I don't know how many times I've said this. I did not see this coming. Uh, the Tigers, 66. The Cowboys, 18. Uh, what does it say about the Cowboys? Oh, well, well, they had us all deceived. Um, first of all, it's not often that you can follow a form line in rugby league because it just goes you know, pear-shaped very quickly. But at Magic Round, the Cowboys beat the Roosters when it turned wet. I think it's sort of we over when we thought, oh, well, Cowboys are back. No, I think it, it highlighted how bad the Roosters are going. So the Cowboys didn't exactly put the Roosters to the spear on the day. Then the Cowboys beat the Dragons. Now, I called that game, and I got a bit of flack from Cowboys fans because they said, oh, gee, you, you weren't very complimentary of the Cowboys. Well, I call it as I see it. I thought they were poor, and they beat a team that was awful. <laughs> so that was the Cowboys' form line going into the game. A bit iffy. You know, beating the Roosters and beating the Dragons. And... They take on the Tigers. Now, did I see 66 points coming? Well, no one did. No. But, but the Cowboys are so far off where they were this time last year, Smithy. They've been the plummeters in this year's competition. They look like a bottom four side for mine. 
and the Tigers, just so you go over it, with 17 to go, I'm watching it live thinking, you know what, the Cowboys, if they get another one, you know, like you, were, you weren't, but then the, then the Tigers score five tries in the last 15 minutes. Like that's, that's absurd. This was the team running last. Hadn't, didn't score a point the previous week against Souths. They put on 30 in the last 15. They put on 66 for the match. It'll go down as one of the more incredible games in my life following the sport. Bottom place Tigers score 66 points. An amazing win. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, to finish off Saturday, we saw um, the Storm uh, giving the Dolphins um, a little taste of reality, I guess. Storm looking very good. Yeah, Storm first half very good, 24-4, but Craig Bellamy was beside himself how poor Melbourne was in the second half, and the Dolphins weren't able to bridge the gap. They, well, they bridged it, but not to the extent they needed. Um, I, think, I think, I reckon you could say some of the Dolphins players, the former Storm players, such as Felice Cafusi and, to a lesser degree, Kenny Bromwich, you could take off the head, put on a pumpkin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Felice Cafusi went right over the top, second minute, sin-binned. You know, like that. And Kenny Bromwich late in the game. Now, he's only been fine for the dangerous contact, but, you know, I just think they went about it the wrong way. And these are you know, incredibly experienced players um, that that didn't quite uh, t- channel that the right way, the aggression of taking on your former club. Uh, Jesse Bromwich, no dramas there, but it, I, I thought it was disappointing from the Dolphins, and Craig Bellamy had reason to be disappointed with a storm second half, but they'd done enough by halftime, leading by 20 to win the game. I was, a li- I was a little let down by the game, Smithy. Again, call it as you see it. I thought it was going to be an absolute blockbuster, and it fell well short of that. Bulldogs 20. This is uh, first of two yesterday. Bulldogs 20, Titans uh, 18. Titans fans should feel sick today that they lost that game. Um, the, Bull- <laughs> the Bulldogs, I mean, one of the Matt Burton bombs um, was caught on the full by Jake Avarillo, who ran away to score. Then another bomb that there were three Titan players looking around it and just look at it, and it hits Brian Kelly in the legs and bounces up into the hands of Jacob Carraz, and he sprints away to score. Uh, you know, the, the Titans have let slip. No team has lost more games, leading by 14 points or more, in the last three years than the Titans. That's the seventh time it's happened. So not just this year. It's sort of it's set into their DNA now that they, you know, you think the Raiders have some fade-outs, but the Titans are right up there, and it's happening way too often um, and that was a game they should have won. The Titans could be just about leading the competition had they not blown some big leads this year. And good luck to the Bulldogs. Um, Josh Adokar back, but that was a game that the Titans lost maybe more than the Bulldogs won, if you know what I mean. Rightio. It's a, a bit of a bob each way here on this one. Uh, there's still a lot of Seagulls fans in New Zealand, of course. Uh, Raiders had uh, the best of the start, 6-0 up early than the Seagulls. Uh, on the back of uh, Tedesco, James Tedesco had a mag- magical 20-minute period in the game. Changed the whole course of the match. 42-14 the Raiders, but uh, injury problems again? Yeah, uh, so Tom Trebojevic, the hat-trick, uh, that, that was amazing. Canberra scoring, uh, you know, after five minutes, Elliot Whitehead plunges over. Do you think, here they go. You know, they've won five in a row, they're off again. Manly scored the next seven tries. <laughs> Manly have seven on the board before Canberra get their second try. So that was quite incredible. Tom Trebojevic, the big story, but Jake and Josh Schuster, also a pretty big story, finding, you know, showing us, just reminding us of his talents. Manly is a, a far better side if they can get Josh Schuster right. But Jake Trebojevic um, pulled up with a, a recurrence of his calf injury, so much so that 
he pretty much ruled himself out of state of origin straight away after the game. So the Manly uh, training staff called the Blues camp to say, no, Jake won't be coming, he's out. So Jake Trebojevic, calf injury, they call it an old man's injury, the calf injury, second time this year. So his brother Tom's got the hamstring, Jake's got the calf to worry about now. Um, so um, there's a chance all three Trebojeviches will be sidelined when Manly play Newcastle because Ben's got an injury problem as well. Manly to play Newcastle this weekend. Um, I'm happy for Manly. Um, I don't know what to make of Canberra to lose by that much at home when you were in such yeah. good form. Um, and, and, and Canberra again, uh, you know, could have been sitting equal first had they won. Yeah, um, I just got to look at the state of origin, Vossi, if we can, because it's not yep. far away. I think uh, about nine days away. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, what are you What are you looking now? Um, at uh, Could you pick one this far out? Well, I was thinking as I tried to pin my sides down last week. I was thinking, well, I think Queensland are going to be favourites, but I had a little disclaimer. But if New South Wales, if if Trebojevic comes right, and if their big players play up to their ability, and by that I mean you know a backline that has Tedesco, Latrell Mitchell, Tom Trebojevic back in form then I've got New South Wales favourites. So it's, a, it's an if. It's an if. Um, that's, where I've, I've, um, that's where I've landed. A very tight series. Two very talented squads picked. And I know we're going to have argy-bargy and debate about who's picked and who's not. I think the bigger shocks are with Queensland, to be honest. Um, they've they've you know, built a foundation over the years of the creed, pick and stick and loyalty. Well, you know, confirmation, Kalen Ponga, who was man of the match in Game 3, has been deemed... Not ready for origin right now um, on the back of, you know, the, the head knocks and what have you. But the other day he came off for an HIA and was cleared and came back on and played out the game. But Reese Walsh will be fullback for Queensland and origin one in Adelaide. And the fact that Dane Gagai is not there, that is an em- enormous shock. 21 origins. Club form for Dane Gagai has never mattered. He plays for Queensland. He's like Superman. So for them to, to brush Dane Gagai, that's a big call. And Hamaso Tabuai Fido, the Dolphins fullback, will play in the centres for Queensland. So they're among the, um, the shocks, if you will. The, Queen, uh, the New South Wales side, the biggest shock really was Tavita Pengai Jr. Um, being called up for Jake Trebojevic. Appy Corusau getting the nod ahead of Damian Cook. Well, they're both fantastic players. And Nico Hines will be on a debut for New South Wales. He'll be in jumper 14 coming off the bench. Um, a lot to like about both teams, Smithy. And uh, and uh, I know it's a very late start for New Zealand viewers, but uh, you know we'll all be watching where we can. State of origin number one. I think it'll be intriguing. Just finally, finally, uh, Vossi, um, yours truly is going along to my first ever NRL game this weekend. I live in Hawke's Bay, which uh, we don't very often get them, so we'd have to traipse north to uh, Auckland. I haven't been able to do that yet in my career, but I do debut this weekend. Any tips? Any tips for a, a debutante? Well, I'm, I'm making a shout-out to the Warriors marketing team. I'd be teeing up a helicopter. I would like Ian Smith to be... Uh, Landing on ground with the match ball, I think, Smithy. Um, and, and Mount Smart Stadium, um, although, mind you, you're going to McLean Park, aren't you? No, of course. You're, yes. yeah, not, not at Mount yes. Smart. 
I, I'm just having the helicopter arriving, you with the match ball, um, and, and sit close up to really appreciate it, um, Smithy. I was going to say at Mount Smart Stadium, you sit, you sit down at the bottom of the bowl over the over the um, dressing room side of the ground, uh, the home dressing room side of the ground, I think is a fantastic viewing area. Um, but no, sit close to the action, Smithy. If you can swing a little sideline seat, I think you'll love the experience and, and appreciate the, the great sport even more. How tough these blokes are, how tough our athletes are. How tough they are indeed, yeah. I, I saw a hit. Uh, I'm not sure. If, if, if there was a hit yesterday. I can't remember the people involved, but it was a coat hanger tackle in the Manly game against the mm. Raiders. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, I'm involved, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, and Rugby Union, that guy goes to the judiciary. He's out for six weeks. It was mm. handled, I thought, beautifully on the field of play, and uh, it was on Croker, and I thought Croker handled it beautifully as well. Uh, and yeah. the game just goes on with, with 13 aside. I thought it was... Brilliant piece of officiating. Yeah, yeah. Look, I saw the other night. I mean, man, I've seen some great hits. I mean, people who say it's not tough anymore and, you know, you've got to have the headbutts and the punching, leave me out of that. Um, the, the, the sport is as tough as ever. It's just not as dirty as it was. Let, let's be honest. Mm. Um, you don't get away with the cheap shots that you once did. Um, now, you'll love it, Smithy. Uh, I, I feel yep. very lucky. And I know most of our listeners may be, you know, rugby union, uh, or, you know, born and bred as far as rugby union is concerned. But I... But I I, I thank God every day I was born a rugby league man. I love the sport. Good on you, Vossi. Uh, great to catch up with you. Um, and uh, thanks very much on uh, your little uh, summary of the weekend and what's coming up, uh, Origin, not too far away. Have a terrific week, mate, over there on SENZ. In, SEN, sorry, I should say, in Sydney. Good on you, Smithy. See you, mate. Cheers, man. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, 11.20 here on SENZ here. And uh, we shall be... Um, we'll be going to the sports desk. Um, the Polaris... Field days uh, are uh, on now. Specials are on now. Uh, Polaris Field Day specials are on, so you can get up to 2,500 free accessories on Polaris Rangers. On Polaris Rangers. Uh, get that. Uh, and they're uh, with us on the sports desk very shortly. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, let's get straight across uh, to Louis Herman Watt, who occupies the big seat on the sports desk uh, this morning, and uh, plenty to talk about. There is a lot to talk about, so let's start with the PGA Championship, and I think Brooks Kepka's fifth major, which puts him alongside some of the greats of the game, uh, his third PGA Championship, which puts him along some greats of the game. I think there's only about four people in front of him with more versions of that major and it just creates so much intrigue around golf doesn't it because we've got a Ryder Cup this year and he will be eligible as will Dustin Johnson 
But Zach Johnson, who is the captain for the US Ryder Cup team, has said, I think it's just too premature, frankly irresponsible, to even have an opinion about that. This is where the Brooks would be in the team. Given where we're at right now, if you go back in history, there's names right now probably on both tours that we're not even mentioning that could have a chance. To me, that is avoiding the question, the, the, which has an obvious answer, that Brooks Kapka will be 100% on the US Ryder Cup team and if he's not it will be a travesty because next to Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm he is now one of the most informed and hottest golfers on the planet and the thing is it's not a blip he's a five-time major winner smithy and Brooks Kepka he's not going away anytime soon no matter what tour he represents that is interesting that uh, particular version of that Louis uh, I've got to say I would have thought that the reason he's not making any great statements about it is it's because it's very much still in the melting pot very much and today's victory would have uh, really uh, put a, a, a spanner a massive spanner what's the biggest spanner you can have in the works that's where it's put that yeah well, well yeah, you, you could be right I just think it's awkward I think a lot of these these PGA lifers are feeling awkward about it and I think I can I can understand why but you can't deny the form you can't deny what he did 72. 66, 66, 67. It's an incredible run, finishing at nine under from Scotty Scheffler. 67, 68. It was just Scotty Scheffler's third round. Otherwise, he would have had his second major. He shot 65 coming home. Victor Hovland, well, it was one hole that let him down at the end of the day. A 68 today when it really should have been a 66 at worst. Cam Davis, the young Australian, 65 coming home, as did Kirk Kitayama. Bryson DeChambeau, tie fourth. Another really solid e- effort from Bryson, who has completely remodelled his body, let alone his game. Rory McIlroy, well, he, after shooting 71 in the first round, just kept coming, shooting shot three rounds of 69. Uh, and Cam Smith, 72-72, 70-65. We know Cam Smith has these tendencies to get hot when the putter starts rolling on The last day, that is what he did at the Open to win his first major, so he's definitely in uh, contention for the last two majors of the year. Patrick Cantley, another top 10, Justin Rose, he's regained some form, similar guy like uh, Jason Day, where they've been around for a long time, but just seem to be starting to figure it out. And if you missed it, Ryan Fox, while he was just on the outer, he slipped seven places on the last day with all the movers. Uh, 68, 73, 71, 71 for a very respectable three-over par for the tournament. Tied 23. It's a massive effort for Foxy, Smithy. It is, I thought it's a brilliant performance, actually, with the limited build-up that he had, plus the fact that... Um, you know, it's it's the hardest golf in the world. Major golf is hardest in the world. We spoke to him not le- lo- that long ago, Louis, and uh, he said to us he's not that far away from getting some sort of um, exemption into the PGA. Uh, that will have helped, I would imagine. That will have helped because his world ranking will go up as a result of that result there. So uh, we may be seeing a lot more of Ryan Fox on the PGA as opposed to the DP Tour. Let's hope so. Big news in European rugby too. Oh, huge news. It was the the moving weekend for European rugby, and I think the game of the whole round was Leinster hosting La Rochelle. And La Rochelle, well, they were defending their Champions Cup. Uh, I don't think many people tipped them to go into Ireland, one of the most hostile places to go in club rugby, and knock them off, especially when they were trailing 17-0. 17-0, came back and won 27-26. Now, La Rochelle, Tawara Kerbalo, Will Scout, and some of the best players in the world on form, but it's one man that's getting all the praise. 
It's Ronan O'Gara. I reckon you can call him the Razor of the North because he seems to have a knack to win. Players love him. He's young. He's got a bit of edge about him. He actually likes a punt, by the way. I think he owns racehorses. And he has said he wants to coach Ireland. You have to earn that right. Well, I think he's going to be the trendy pick to take over whenever that job comes available. Because the thing is, the, the bloke helming Ireland at the moment, Andy Farrell, is doing the best job anyone maybe ever has done with that team. So very interesting. And Smithy, to talk all about those uh, permutations and what happens post the European club season, tomorrow we're going to catch up with Bernard Jackman, who played eight times for Ireland uh, in the early 2000s. He has played footy for, um, well... Uh, lots of different clubs, Connick and Leinster himself, as well as Sale Sharks. So we'll catch up with him and ask him what Ronan O'Gara winning yet another club tournament means for his coaching future. Okay, Louis, Herman Watt there at the sports desk. Uh, can we just say congratulations um, to Robbie from uh, Wanaka? Uh, Tom, your great mate from uh, Lake Hawera, has uh, texted in and said, look, you've Please, will you uh, just give Robbie a, a, a bit of kudos uh, because he proposed to Harriet on Saturday. Uh, he proposed to Harriet. Oh, I bet that was an idyllic setting too down there. Um, and she said yes. So that's fantastic. Uh, Robbie, great stuff. Uh, congratulations to you and to Harriet, of course. Um, yeah, you're a winner. You are an absolute winner. Uh, and uh, I tell you, listening at home now, you can be a winner as well because it's uh, time to dial 0800 150811 0800 and it's time for us to hand out our first TAB voucher of the week. It's stump smithy time. It's also news time with Araha. And we've got a low of 11. Catch in depth Super Rugby analysis tonight from 7 with Justin Marshall and Peter Alatini on ECNZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Uh, let's get uh, stuck into this. Of course, we've got uh, Brian Rarity taking the calls um, from the Lucky Pundits for today. And, of course, uh, Louis Herman Watt in charge uh, of the question. So, Louis, um, who have we got lined up today? What are we playing for Fiddy? And uh, what, uh, what are the subjects? I think we're sticking down my neck of the woods and we're going to go to Wade in Christchurch, Smithy. So we've got Wade here down in the 03 part of New Zealand. G'day, Wade. How you doing on a Monday? Morning, team. Good, thanks. Look after me here, Louie. Ah, okay. Well, your topics are football, netball and rugby of the union variety. So what would you like, Wade? Oh, let's go rugby union. Rugby oh. Union, okay. Rugby Union. <laughs> Rugby Union. Here we go. Right, okay. Okay. Okay, here we go, Wade. I'm going to give you a softball. I'm going to give you a softball to start. How many wins has Moana Pacifica scored in the 2023 Super Rugby Pacific competition? I don't think I've had one at all, have they? I'll say zero. Just a right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, that yeah. is a soft, that is a soft start. By, by question standards, that is a hugely soft start. It's a gimme. Well, oh, that's, that's all right. Well, 
<laughs> wait, 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 to be looked after. Uh, no, there's no corruption here at all, Smithy. Please just um, make sure you are... Make sure that you are keeping your head screwed on. I don't want any sort of lip out of anyone here. Right, question number two. Rugby union. How many test caps did Ronan O'Gara win for Ireland? Oof. Good God. Um... I'm not sure if you're 100 or not. Let's go... Oh, I'll say 103. No idea. Ooh. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, he played for a long time. He did, did he get 100 caps for Ireland? Did he get 100 caps for Ireland? Oh, I'm going to say no, he didn't. I'm going to say he got 87. 87 caps for Ireland. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, you're going to need a spell there, Smithy. He's played 128 times for Ireland through a 13-year career, and he obviously played for the British and Irish Lions during that period, and he played behind Johnny Wilkinson as well, and he had one cap for Ireland Day as well. So 128 was what we were looking for. So this puts us on to the last question, does it not? It does. Uh, it does, Louis, yes. So question three, this is for the bickies for Wade. Mmm... Uh, very good. Very good. Right. How many New Zealand sides, New Zealand-based sides, currently sit in the playoff picture for Super Rugby Pacific, Wait. Uh, four. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Ah, too good, Wade. You're right. Highland is right on the cutoff line. Between Force and Highlanders, they are in ninth, which means that the Chiefs, the Crusaders, the Blues, the Hurricanes, Minor Pacifica and Highlanders outside four is right. And Smithy, you were all over that, weren't you? Yeah, I was all over that one. I was nowhere near Ryan and O'Gara, but yeah, I was all over that, so... That's two out of three for Wade, which means uh, Wade uh, getting question three right is the cr crucial one for you. You start the day uh, with a 50-buck uh, TAB vetting voucher, and uh, courtesy of the TAB, thanks for their continued support. And uh, for yours as well, Wade, uh, have a great week, man. Well done. Cheers, Pink. Cheers. Uh, okay, so that's it. Uh, asking you shall receive. Look, uh, uh, it's the key from here on in. If uh, you want Louis to look after you, all you just have to say is, Louis, please be kind to me, and uh, you'll probably end up a winner. It's as <laughs> simple as that. Right, uh, we're heading into uh, the last the 20 minutes of the show here on SENZ. To SENZ, we'll have live commentary of all the biggest games, the All Blacks, Irish, French, and more, right here. Can we bring the Web Alice Cup home? Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Jameson, straight bowling! He's bowling! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand.
Yeah, Razine, the biggest name of, uh, for paint, of course, uh, in this country. Go and see Razine for audio expert at paint and colour advice. Um, they, uh, there's many, many outlets uh, around the country. Um, a local one will give you the best you uh, need to get in terms of your uh, home products and uh, the way you want to uh, develop your house uh, and modernise. So Razine, absolutely the paint side of things in that regard. Right, uh, let's uh, have a look at uh, Kiwis doing well overseas, shall we? Devin Conway, 31 years of age. My goodness, I wish he was 21. We'd have a lot more time with Devin Conway. The Chennai Super Kings will be bumping up their price from as well. He scored his sixth 50 um, over the, the weekend. He's the third highest run scorer. Scored 585 runs at 53. That's a healthy average in IPL at a strike rate of 138. Uh, he is a terrific player, and he's propelled uh, his efforts, the Chennai Super Kings, into uh, the, the playoffs position, uh, one against two in terms of the qualifiers, and that is against uh, the Gujarat Titans, and that's uh, they're hosting that in Chennai. So Stephen Fleming will be a happy camper uh, that he's picked up Devin Conway. He has had a super, a super IPL. And uh, on that uh, subject as well, and county cricket, Ajaz Patel, remember him? Ten wickets in an innings? How could you forget? Well, he got ten in the match for Durham against Gloucester. Five for 113 and 29 overs of the first innings. Five for 96, five for 96, I should say, and uh, 27 overs in the second innings, uh, propelling um, uh, Durham to a 125 win. They now sit uh, top of Division 2, and it looks like they've got a more a more than useful buy uh, and getting the services of AJS Patel. Uh, just as well someone is. Uh, there have been some great talking points uh, leading into the Ashes, not too far away, and we'll be focusing in on that. Uh, in fact, even announcing our commentary team in the next 24 hours as well because we've got it here live on SENZ. But I'm loving the buy play. Already we've uh, had a little bit of buy play from Nathan Lyon. They're going to fight back uh, and start to build up some atmosphere there. Uh, Lyon's saying a whitewash to the Aussies. A whitewash to the Aussies. Mitchell Stark is saying over the weekend he's come out and said, well, if they're five for 50, are they still going to come out swinging? I don't know, he says. They've been able to maintain it for some time, and fair credit to them. It's not just a one-off. It makes for an exciting Ashes contest. We'll see if that's the way they're going to go and play. And, and, and uh, from guys I've spoken to this week, we're not, not really buying too much into it. So the Aussies are talking about their plan um, and one or two of them coming out spoken as well. Uh, I look forward to uh, the clash with... Uh, they'll go up Mitchell Stark, there's no doubt about him. Baz will love, of course, Baz will love them collaring Mitchell Stark because remember Baz and Mitchell Stark in the first over of the World Cup in 2015. I think that still smarts a wee bit on Baz. So uh, we'll have that um, to, cut to look forward to here on SENZ. Uh, but they will come at, uh, they'll come at them uh, at the top of the order. Crawley. Uh, how does Crawley stay in that side? I do not know, but uh, he's got faith in him. Ben Duckett, then they'll come out with uh, Ollie Pope. I see he's been announced as the vice-captain of England going forward. Uh, then they'll, they'll follow that up uh, with Root. And then they've got, of course, uh, Harry Brock, who's been outstanding. They've got Stokes. They've got Lawrence. They've got Johnny Bairstow as their keeper batsman. Johnny Bairstow's form uh, is anything like it was two years ago. It'll be phenomenal for England. I mean, Ben Folks, without doubt to me, is the best wicketkeeper, the best glove man in world cricket. No doubt about it for me. Absolutely pure as silk. Can't get a place in the side. That's how much emphasis they're putting on the batting side of things. Uh, and, of course, uh, Bearstow's all-round capabilities. So uh, England are strong, are very strong in the batting. 
And the, the mouth-watering thing for me is that they will not lie down. They will keep coming. And my answer to you, Mitchell Stark, is they're five for 50. Will they keep swinging? You bet they will. That is the McCullum way. Uh, so there you go. Um, that is our Razine report for this week. Uh, great performances by Devin Conway and uh, Ajish, uh, Ajish Patel, who just continues uh, on his uh, merry way, but not for us, sadly. It's uh, coming up to 11.49.